Hi, this is The Real Investment Show with Alexander Johnson. And today we have Mr. Ahmed Hassan, who is the CEO and founder of Wingsters and various other things which he's going to tell us about. Ahmed and I have known each other for more years than I care to care to remember. We both actually used to work many, many years ago in London together. We've both been in Dubai, me since 2008, you since 2009, I think. Correct, yes. So almost the same time. Um, and um, we both kind of made a transition away from financial markets into different things. So I think, you know, one of the main reasons why I wanted you to come on today, Ahmed, is just to, you know, first of all, you're a great friend, but also to share your story about how you kind of moved from what you did before into being an entrepreneur, all of the lessons that you learned. Um, obviously, our podcast is focused on investment, you know, and and a part of that is, you know, naturally moving from one side of the, the quadrant. For those of you that are familiar with Robert Kiyosaki's book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, moving from that E side, employee side of the quadrant over to the, to the B and the I side of the quadrant. And if you haven't read his book, please do. Um, it's 25, 25 years old now, but if anybody asked me for one book that changed my life, that's the book that changed my life. So thank you, Robert, for for uh, for writing the book and for updating it and uh, highly recommend that to all of our viewers and listeners. So with no further ado, why don't you why don't you tell us the wonderful sure. story about how you went from being a you know a salesman at Bloomberg to being the CEO of a, of a chicken wings uh, empire? Sure. Firstly, thank you for having me on the show. I uh, really appreciate it and good luck with it. Um, so I came out here in 2009 because, um, you know, the situation, the financial situation in Europe and, and the US at that time. So I was working for a um, kind of a, a, a business that does CFDs and, and, and kind of asset uh, transactions in, in the Middle East. Just for our listeners who might not be familiar with the CFD, do you want to quickly explain? Sure. So these are kind of um, assets or uh, they're contracts on assets. So they're tradable contracts on assets. You may not hold the underlying assets, but you hold the contract of its position moving up or downwards. So at that time, it was something that was starting up in, in the Middle East and we were covering, covering it from the UK. I won't name the, the the company that I was working for, but it got affected quite uh, badly during uh, 2008. Um, my partner had moved out to the region or was planning to move out to the region at that time. And I was, you know, I was covering it uh, from, from the UK. So I was traveling here quite regularly. So it was a natural transition for me to move out to the region. So I was approached by a business out here, which was also in the finance world. They were opening up a new equity desk um, and transaction desk, and they asked me to come on board, which kind of really made sense at that time. It was a perfect timing for me to come out. Um, you know me from the from the beginning. I've always been interested in FMB. I've always had a, a, a knack or an interest. Well, in, I think it's obvious that you and I both yes. like to eat. Yes, I think that's very much clear. so. Yeah. Um, so I've always wanted to be in that scene. How do I get about being in that particular industry? I didn't know at that particular time. You know, coming from a, a, um, a household which is quite traditional, um, being, you know, in the kitchen is not the most ideal, right? So my dad was like either a doctor, lawyer, engineer. So right? what is your background? On so this? I come from uh, originally from Iraq. Uh, my parents are from uh, Iraq, but we grew up in the UK. So we were in the UK for many years. In London. In London specifically, yeah. Um, and, and, 
you know, being in that kind of traditional household, um, it's those kind of um, industries that you were had you were pushed towards. Okay, sure. which I had no interest in. I started working when I was thirteen in my local news agent, as they're called in the UK, or grocery stores. Yeah, and I was in charge of making the uh, the uh, what do you call it uh, the rounds for the delivery boys for to come in. Yeah, the newspaper delivery guys to come out. Um, but then I was, you know, I was always involved in business, um, and the owner of the shop trusted me with. A lot of different things at my young, you know, tender age of 13, 14 years old. I mean, you were already smart because you weren't actually doing the hard work of yes. going out on your bike in the no. cold, delivering the newspapers. You were staying in the warm shop. Exactly. Probably getting I don't unli- know how I got unlimited that. free chocolate bars Correct. whilst putting all the newspapers Very much so. Together. At 6 a.m. So, in the morning. There we go. So before school and after school, and I spent a lot of time, I understood that business very well. Um, and you know, I, I always knew that I needed to understand it, learn it because it's going to come handy at a later stage. So I wanted to be a chef when I was younger. Again, my parents didn't support that. I went into the world of business. I also studied finance in university and business management. Um, and then I, I, I went into the finance world and that's where we met. Uh, in Bloomberg. But you had a few jobs before. I mean, I think you'd worked in sort of retail sales. Yeah, so I was doing doing retails for some time. I I worked in telecom sales uh, for some time. This was all while I was studying. Mm -hmm. Um, I was quite successful at it. So that gave me the kind of the stepping stone to go into, you know, financial sales and and kind of merge my my experience of sales as well as my education. And that's where it worked very well. Very well. Plus, also, I was covering the Middle East, and again, my language helped, um, and and my abilities helped. So it was it was good times. We had a fantastic time working there. It was very successful during that period, and then I went on to do other kind of financial roles as well. When I came out here, um, I, I had a I had a an addiction for wings. I loved wings. In the UK, we'd go out and we'd have wings. When I came out here in two thousand and nine, there was no wing places. I had a friend of mine that had moved out here about a year and a half before I did uh-huh. from the UK. And we grew up together. So he understood what, yeah. you know, what, what I was looking for. And there was two restaurants at that time. I would call them American chains that had, you know, portion of wings as a side plate on, mm-hmm. their, on their menu. So that kind of got me interested and got me thinking, okay, there is definitely a gap in the market. I've just moved out here. I don't know the market very well. So I continued in my finance world and I, I was, you know, working there doing very well and then one day I had one of these kind of epiphanies um light bulb moments so where were you when you had I was sitting down in my office in media city and then I said to myself what are you doing this is not what you want to do and then I thought about what what is it actually that I want to I had forgotten that I had this passion and this interest to go into the F&B world um and then I said to myself no this is this is the right time this is exactly what I want to do um, let me research it at least, at least give it, you know, the, the, the required thought. So I, I went on researching uh, the business, understanding the market, putting my finances together, trying to learn the operations around FMB. And I just took the risk about a year after I researched. I mean, I remember going to different areas where I wanted my restaurant to be and sitting down for hours and just doing a tally of you know the type of clientele that would pass by if it's cars if it's walking pedestrians um and so on so i found my 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 restaurant it's in the marina it was um it was a, an existing restaurant um and he wanted to exit and i managed to kind of secure that unit 
five minutes walk away from my house, which was ideal. Your um, wife may not have agreed with that at the time. Yeah. But yeah. But yeah. <laughs> because essentially I ended up, you know, Living spending a lot of my, my time there. So fantastic place. I, I went through the whole process of getting the license, getting the design done, doing the fit out, had crazy amounts of uh, hurdles and, and things that really crippled me at that time. And I thought I wasn't going to open the restaurant. Um, what was the what was the most difficult thing that you had to deal with? So trying to understand how the whole ecosystem works. You know, there was a couple of people that I reached out to assist me uh, through some networks, and they did assist me with a few kind of um, points to watch out for. But it's things to do with contractor um, and finding the right contractor, making sure that you have the right clauses within your contract, mm-hmm. um, and then also for me it was. You know, how do you then bring all of the, uh, you know, supply chain together, understanding that whole supply chain, working out your cash flow within within that process um, and making sure people stick to to deadlines and timeframes. That was some of the major hurdles that uh, I faced. Okay. Nonetheless, um, I pressed on, managed to open the restaurant uh, 14th of December 2013. Um just and in time for Christmas. Yes. But you were doing chicken wings, not turkey. Yes. Yes. It was, look, it was fantastic. I was the first, and this is something that I wanted to achieve. Uh-huh. I was the first Buffalo Wings specialist restaurant in the UAE. And I think also across the GCC. I mean, even though there were some American chains that didn't specialize in wings, but they had it on their menu, no one was actually specializing in wings. Yeah. So I started off with 16 flavored wings um all homemade sauces and wingsters essentially became a hit and was it was it mostly people coming into the restaurant was it deliveries was it combination no the be- the beautiful thing about uh doing business at that time it was majority dining delivery wasn't a thing at that time talking about 11 years ago yeah um, so it was before all the apps came out it's before you yes. know you had to i remember you know you used to call if you wanted a delivery you'd call a 600 number correct you know they'd have their own drivers and it was yeah i mean it was it was much more of a kind of in in a way it was kind of you know less hassle to just go and eat in a restaurant correct you know the dining thing was explaining to somebody where you were you had to pay cash on delivery all of these all of these hurdles yeah. no it was it was I enjoyed it more. It was a traditional way of running a restaurant. Yeah. Um, you get to meet your clients. Um, you get to into in good friends. Actually, well, one of my business partners on my other business was actually a client of mine over 10 years ago. And he lived in the same building. And just used to come into your restaurant quite frequently. Correct. And he's an executive chef. Uh, chef. Okay. So, you know, we've then stayed in touch and over the years have worked on a number of different projects together. And then you know, about a year ago, we uh, we came together and we set up another company called Holcroft. Uh, it's a food stuff trading uh, business, okay. and we specialize in um, frozen foods. Okay, we'll discuss that a little bit later. But sure. you know, his expertise in that world, my business kind of acumen, kind of really allowed us to kind of gel together and, and set up this business. Um, but going back to Wingsters, it became an instant hit um, to the extent where we were we were initially thinking because of the marina and the the way the marina has been segmented it's going to be a lot of expats mm-hmm. people who understand this cuisine yeah. but we we had you know the local community support us tremendously we had locals coming all the way from Abu Dhabi Ras Al Khaimah Fujairah and you know they uh, they loved the food and they kind of continued uh, supporting us 
Yeah, and I mean, you know, obviously, as you know, from a personal level, you know, I've spent a good amount of time and invested quite quite significantly in the actually in the Buffalo property market in, yeah. in the US. And so, you know, I've had a chance to go to the Anchor Bar many times where they first made I remember you wings. bringing me a uh, some sauce back. And you I, brought me some sauce and you brought me the big, uh, was it, what are they called? Seasoning or something, was it? No, it was, uh, it's like a memorabilia that they were selling. Okay. I remember, I remember I still have it. Okay. Good, good to hear. <laughs> so yeah. And I mean, it, it was interesting for me because I also really enjoyed those, you know, I enjoyed eating the chicken wings and absolutely. I never personally would have thought about opening a, you know, opening that kind of restaurant over here. Yeah. Great idea. And it's obviously done extremely well. I mean, I think the, you know, the fact that the, the big US specialist chains have come in is also testament to the fact that, you know, normally when you get competition, it's a sign that you're doing something right rather mm -hmm. than rather than the opposite. But the fact is, I think you've obviously got this loyal following in that business, um, which means that people are still staying with you. And again, I can certainly testify as a as somewhat of an aficionado that your product is absolutely the best Fantastic. in uh in in dubai and certainly competes with the guys in in buffalo very well so, food stuff companies so let's talk about that so you've obviously i mean that's i guess a natural kind of pivot or move into something else so what what exactly is that business so doing that, that 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 essentially came uh, off the back of a number of different things that i've i've been doing since the pandemic took place obviously fmb Although everyone has this misconception um, that they were doing extremely well during pandemic because FMB and pharmaceutical businesses were the only kind of, and, and supermarkets essentially were the only kind of businesses that were allowed to stay open during the pandemic. Yeah. Although it was a struggle because, you know, everything became very, very difficult and very costly to do business. You know, uh, cost of goods skyrocketed, transportation and log logistics and, and imports skyrocketed and, and it became very, very difficult. But we managed to kind of, you know, stay afloat and, and, and grind through that period. During that period, I got involved in um, franchise consultancy. And then again, where my business partner comes through, the executive chef, I brought him on board to be to run one of the businesses here in the UA for, 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 the, for the brand. Um, and we kind of kept in touch and he was uh, involved in a number of uh, kind of projects that he was reached out for. And then it became, we it just, we gelled together and we uh, went after this business. Now, what we do is we provide solutions for businesses and for chefs within the hotel space as well. Um, the, the way businesses have evolved and what is required of the chef has evolved requires for businesses like ours who understand business and business and food technology to come in to see how we can provide the solution so we've got a number of different products ranging from frozen savory items to frozen uh, dessert items um, some of which will also go into the retail space at a later stage so it's it's still young as a business but you know we've had some great success over the last six months and this is something that we think in 2024 will will do very very well as well in terms of you know obviously you've talked a lot about your journey from being a, an employee to a to an entrepreneur um are there any things that you could you, you know you would you would want to say to your 25 year old self in terms of you know is there a statement you'd want to say very good question um i would definitely say take more risks i mean when i was 25 i definitely took quite a bit of risk but i would say take more risks 
um, get involved in a number of different industries. Okay, so don't just stick to one particular industry. I mean, there's two schools of thought. Stick to one in industry, master it, be the best at it. Okay, um, or try and understand a number of different industries and have some interest in it. So whether it's investments or or certain kind of business that you want to be involved in and so on. And for me specifically, definitely get involved in the real estate market um, and, and invest in, in the real estate market at a much earlier um, age. Okay. That's definitely one thing that I would, I would have done. So to summarize, you'd say take more risks, get involved in real estate. I mean, obviously now you are, you know, involved in the, in the real estate market mm -hmm. um, to, 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 a, you know, to a fairly great extent. Um, you know, what, what have you found have been the lessons that you've learned from, you know, your investments that you've made in real estate, um, you know, and also the, the, the changes in the market specifically here in the UAE? Um, so in, in the UAE over the last 15 years, we've seen how things have evolved and have changed dramatically. So, you know, in terms of real estate pricing, in terms of a lot more, um, varied i would say or, or, or different different uh, differential um kind of setups that before it was traditional you buy a flat you buy a house yeah right? now you've got a number of different uh, models, kind of models that you can work in serviced hotel apartments Correct. and airbnb and short-term rentals and all these things Correct. which didn't necessarily exist that much 10 years ago 15 years ago i agree and it depends are you buying something for you to live in within with your you know your family and, and and so on or are you buying it as an investment each one of them has a specific kind of strategy yeah um but yeah we've seen a lot a lot more models come onto the market um a lot more accessibility to um kind of smaller investors have uh, has become more uh, available mm -hmm. uh, which is a good thing and also many people are getting involved in commercial real estate so commercial real estate has become um, quite fruitful and being involved because you know you can have a tenant there for five years if it's you know or, or, or 10 years right and it's more secure you don't need to worry about it and you just you know leave it as such and just monitor it um, so there's been a number of different areas where I've looked at and I've tapped into and and I've kind of whether it's a you know uh, a renter i.e I'm, I'm a tenant and I'm renting and trying to understand how that works or even you know um, assisting some of the businesses that I've worked in coming into the market and what what yeah. needs to be uh, acquired or, or, or purchased or leased to assist them with their business. It's a lot of changes. Yeah, but I think it's uh, it's it's definitely moving in the right direction. Um, and you know, as the market grows, I mean, next year I heard actually, and I I, I learned from the post that you 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 made yesterday, it's set to grow uh, five to seven percent next year. It's a huge huge opportunity yeah absolutely i mean i think we've had unprecedented levels of growth over the last few years with you know covid with you know situations around the world in terms of conflict and you know dubai is very much a safe haven now for so much of the world um and you know the other thing i think is just this mobility of labor which means that a lot of people can do their their jobs, if we if we call them that, or run their businesses from anywhere, right. and I think Dubai, obviously, with the the weather, with the tax free, um, you know, uh, kind of regulations, the the ease of owning and setting up a business and having a hundred percent ownership and 
you know, some of the vision that, that Dubai has had. Again, you know, when we first came out here, I wouldn't say it was a difficult place to live, but there were definitely challenges then that we, we just don't have now. And I think for people moving here now, it's become, you know, you can, you can, you can come here, you can have your visa within a week, you can go and buy a place, you can rent a place, you can open a bank account, you can, you know, get your life set up very quickly, get your kids in school, all of the things that you need to do and just carry on with your, with your business. Correct. I agree. Um, definitely since COVID, um, there's been a lot of developments um, in terms of, yes, work-life balance. How do you go about setting up your business and various different things, as you mentioned. The working from anywhere, that hybrid model has yeah. become a lot more available um, and working from home has become a norm now. Yeah. So, you know, whereas people would go out to the Far East previously to have that kind of lifestyle, now they can have it within the Middle East and, and specifically in Dubai. Yeah. So, you know, Dubai has been able to capture those type of um, business people, I would say. And yes, they've made it a lot easier to to, to have access into, you know, uh, government entities and, and various different kind of services to allow you to settle down much quicker. If you're, if you're able to settle down a lot quicker, you're able to set up your business a lot quicker, you then, you know, start living a, a, a kind of a normal life, right? Mm -hmm. And I think it's fantastic what's happened. I, th I think how Dubai has evolved to that is testament to, you know, the, the vision of the rulers, the vision of, of, of the government and, and, you know, turning it into a smart city. So now pretty much you pick, you know, you take out your phone, you can do a lot of the services that you weren't able to do unless in person. Now yeah. you can do it online. Um, and you know, it's, it's, uh, it's hassle free. Yeah. Right? I mean, I opened a bank account with, uh, with WeO bank a couple of months ago when they first started opening personal accounts and, you know, it was kind of mind blowing to, to do that with just my physical Emirates yeah. ID you know, somebody showed up the next day with a debit card. And I think even a lot of the traditional banks, you know, we obviously both worked in this field Correct. and we remember how painful things could be at times. Um, you know, I think for, for these guys that are coming in now and setting up these banks and financial businesses from scratch, mm -hmm. you know, they've got this huge advantage over the legacy players in the space. You know, I was having a, a conversation with the, senior management team of one of the one of the uh, the banks a couple of days ago and he said you know the whole banking landscape over the the next 10 to 15 years a lot of the names that are in the market now huge names that you wouldn't think could ever disappear will not exist in 10 to 15 years time and i think you know you mentioned earlier sort of going back to the food business people like kareem what they're doing in creating these super apps, mm -hmm. you know, where you've got your food, you've got your, you can order a cleaner, you can order a taxi, you can, you know, you can do so many things on these apps now. And obviously the, the, the key is, is data. I mean, I had a look at one of my, 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 uh, my American Express bill last month and there was an entire page and it shows how much I'm using that, you know, the entire page was Kareem, Kareem, Kareem. Yeah. And it was, it was food. It was transportation. It was laundry. It was all the things that you can use them for. And I think the power that these companies have, um, you know, over, over us in terms of, you know, and of course there are pros and there are cons to this, yeah. but the power that these have over these traditional legacy businesses that are still, 
caught up chasing their tail. And you don't realize how much you actually use them. That's until, the you until you see, see the something bill. like that. Yeah. It's incredible. Exactly. You, you don't. It, and it, it gives you a reality check when you check your bill at the end of your statement at the end of uh, the end of the month. And, you know, going back to the banking industry, I mean, like yourself, I set up, you know, a bank account with Wio, both on a business and a um, personal um, level. It took me 15 minutes. Yeah. It's incredible. That, that for me was mind blowing because, look, in the UK, I know there are a number of virtual banks. Okay, and you know I've set up. Uh, there's Starling, there's Monzo, correct. there's Revolut, there's and even these, with and, yeah. and and even with them, it took I think it, a day or two to get verified and make sure everything's okay. And but yeah. 15 minutes to get a bank account up and running, it, for me was mind blowing. Yeah, right. And it was it served the purpose and it continues to serve the purpose. And as more of these kind of fintech businesses get set up, so there's another one if you, you know which allows you. Traditionally, do you remember if you wanted a fund manager or you wanted to invest in a portfolio? You know, it needed to be a sizable amount. You needed to be someone who understands what they're getting involved in. You needed to go to a traditional bank and you lock it up for a certain period of time and so on. But now with the introduction of a number of fintech organizations, you can set up an account within a day and you 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 fund that account and you have your 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 funds being somewhat managed like a traditional fund manager would. And and you reap the rewards of that. Yeah. Right. Uh, you know, going back to real estate as well, there are certain businesses that have come and kind of tried to take that, you know, real estate tech component of it where, you know, you can buy shares within a particular property. So that's a REIT, a real estate investment Correct. trust. Yeah. Right? And and so on. So with the introduction of all of these type of businesses, it just gives um the average Joe more opportunities to have access to them. And where he would previously may not be aware of where to place his funds, now he's got a number of different options, right? Again, real estate being a very secure, more of a secure option, and it's something that my parents always said growing up, you know, brick and mortar, brick and mortar. And that, they kind of drummed that into our head, brick and mortar. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, quite excited to see where, where this industry is going to go um, and and you know, the evolution of new models as in, in all the different spaces. Yeah. Um, and I think the pace is the other thing. The pace of change now is in, is incredible. I mean, these guys like WeO Bank, they're great. They still have some things to do. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't issue checkbooks, which you still need here for various reasons and things like that. Although that's also massively diminished over Correct. over the last few years but there are still situations i can't where remember you, the last time i wrote a where you need where you need that i mean obviously you know tenants write write us checks for rent and Correct. things like that but uh yeah it's it's massively diminished compared to what what it was what it was and i think in a way covid was or the covid era was good for that because it just brought in this adoption of of credit cards i mean i i had a package delivered the other day from from emirates post um, and there were some customs duties to pay on it because it had come from overseas. And the, the, the Emirates Post guy literally, you know, took my phone, put it against his phone and took the payment. You yeah. know, it was, it was incredible. And you think back not long, long ago, we were going to the post <laughs> office. We were lining up. We were, you know, we were paying cash. It was unimaginable that you could even use yeah. a credit card in one of these places. Um, so I think the, the other thing that, you know, is, is fantastic here is because we've got all these, you know, incubators, we've got the, the fintech kind of zone or the hive in, 
DIFC, it's a very attractive for these businesses to come right. here. I think also from a talent pool point of view, young people want to come and live in Dubai yeah. and for, with, with very good reason. And so these are the end of the guys that are going to create these businesses. Of course. Um, and, and also they're going to be the major users of these businesses. I mean, during exactly. pandemic, you know, there was a big thing about restaurants not having menus. Mm-hmm. With because the of QR the tra- code. Yeah. So yeah. that kind of really pushed. I mean, it, it had already somewhat started, but it really, you know, propelled and, 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 and accelerated the use of QR codes as, as menus. And at Winx's in, 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 in the restaurant, we stopped, you know, printing, printing menus. menus. Which everything's on the QR code. Saves you money. And at the same time, the customer now seated can look at the menu, decide to call the waiter to place the order or place the order directly through the QR code and pay and it comes automatically in the system. Before, I mean, I during the COVID, I also digitalized my whole process. Um, and I tried to remove as much or reduce as much um, manual input or human elements. So, you know, previously you'd have to, you know, the waiter would go, go over, take your order. You'd have to go and punch it into the POS. It will then come up as a ticket. You take it to the kitchen and so on. But, you know, with the introduction of all of these facilities, now, the customer could sit down at the table, place the order. It would The order would automatically go through the POS, hit the kitchen printer. The kitchen staff will start preparing and, and, and finishing the food, and then it gets delivered to the table. Customer pays. So there is, yes, it takes away the inter- interaction. Yeah. But at the same time, if it's a busy a day it kind of saves you a lot of time as well well you the know customer you, doesn't get frustrated you need fewer staff to work but Correct. does that not you know upset the staff in terms of i guess they're not getting so many tips anymore what well, to be it, it, it yes and no but you can tip through the through, through the app through the app okay but then also it kind of gives them a little bit of a breathing space if they've got a full house and 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 they need to make sure each one is being looked after well so i, I guess customer service then outweighs you know the whole requirement for a tip yeah right? um yeah so that kind of covers that that area and we've seen it in a number of different areas as well so introduction of you know businesses like deliverect grub techs and these these are players where they sit between the aggregators and your pos so they kind of aggregate all of your orders in one place okay um that's that's become a big thing in the in in the industry as well um so low it's moving in the right direction yeah, definitely moving in the right direction. Again, are we spoiled in Dubai? I mean, you know, recently I've traveled in Europe and so on. And, you know, I've seen that, you know, they still need to catch up. Yeah, right? it's going to take them a while to get to that particular uh, particular level. Again, it has a different vibe and a different experience in, in, in Europe and, 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 and here. We are a little bit spoiled for service. Yeah. Right? And, and when- I don't know, it, it kind of makes people a bit lazy to a certain extent. But sure. uh, we're definitely, definitely... Um, well, I mean, I think that. one of the examples of that, you know, was, was is the is the uh, you know these petrol delivery services yeah. that we have here, and I haven't actually you know I haven't actually used one yet, um, but that's probably because I have a driver and he generally fills up the car. Yeah. But the you know the the the. Um, the, the you know the pretext of those is actually you, you think on the surface again as english people you know we're very much our brain immediately goes to oh that's lazy but actually if you sit back and think about it for a, for a second um there are there are a number of benefits you know first of all you're not building additional 
petrol stations which create a lot of problems when you're having to then if they then shut down you have to clean up the land you have to decontaminate the tanks all this kind of thing you're also not having people queuing and waiting to fill up their cars which creates you know arguably pollution whilst they're sitting there waiting Mm -hmm. and so whilst things on the surface might seem a certain way you know on the other hand if you look at things from a 360 point of view there are actually a number of you know both both environmental and financial benefits to to yeah, businesses I have to like agree. that and, but you know things i mean recently just recent experience i had a problem with my car i um messaged my mechanic mm-hmm. uh, mechanic sent over someone to have a look at it within an hour it was configured fixed ready to go where would you find that in in Europe? Yeah, unless you unless you happen to be a mechanic or your brother-in-law exactly. is, right? or it just allows like that. you to just get on with your day without having to worry about you know the issues that you know the daily issues that you might face. Yeah, um, you know, and, and and you know, I've the same companies that are doing the you know fill your tank at home type of things i've kind of expanded into a they're doing services. car washing now and mechanical services as well because right? it, it makes sense you have these guys that have generally worked in the auto industry for Correct. their whole career so they can actually do other things yeah i remember in the in the uk we had to go to a quick fit mm-hmm. to get the to tires get changed tires changed things fixed now you call someone they'll come in and, and yeah exactly and, and again they don't you know from a real estate point of view they're not having to pay they're not having to buy those additional commercial units from the, the customer's point mm-hmm. of view they're not having to take time out of their working day somebody can come from quick fit and change the tires in their on their car when they're sitting in the office or they can yeah. come at eight o'clock at night when they've got home from work you know this kind of thing so yeah and all of these services just allow you to have that kind of work-life balance at the end of the day this is the beauty of dubai Mm -hmm. um you know you don't yet you work hard but you also enjoy your you you get to enjoy your day enjoy your you know the things that you like the activities spending time with the family what, what whatever it may be um and that's where people you know um a lot of the friends i had that are based in the uk what you know, the, the small amount that are left because the majority of them did leave um, are keen to leave now because yeah. they want that balance. They're at that stage of their business or that stage of their life or their family kind of um, setup that they want to have that balance. And Dubai is a perfect place. I mean, generally, the region is a, is a, is a, is a great place because I've had friends that have gone out to, for example, Oman uh, and Qatar and so on. But Dubai has always got that kind of attraction that you know allows you know it draws people to to the country yeah um and and you know i hope it continues to do so because then it just allows you know our businesses to 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 thrive as well yeah absolutely i mean i think if you look at the plans with vision 2040 over here where dubai is going you know the the goal to double the population and so on obviously from a real estate point of view that means a lot of a lot of uh you know additional units are being built and i think we've got a good you know, we're on a good track there. Um, you know, there's a lot more apartments coming on board. There's fewer houses, but I, you know, I believe that that's being largely remedied going forward. Um, but I think that's it. The, the, you know, the, the attraction to so many people from so many different places to come out here is now great. It's not just the traditional, you know, expat being sent out for two years with their company before they get sent to Singapore or somewhere right. like that. That whole model has changed now. 
and and when you look at what what young people want it's not so much the american dream anymore for so many people in so many countries coming out here is now the dream they want right. to come to dubai and with with good reason you know that that makes makes sense the dubai dream exactly it's now the so um what have you seen in terms of the, the sort of you know we've talked a little bit about the demographic shift of of people that are living in dubai sort of moving away from being these highly paid highly skilled employees moving over to more the sort of business owner investor entrepreneur type profile of people dubai goes through a number of different phases regularly like they do with with, with the food right what what's trending now is not going to be trending in three months. So the same thing is we I've seen in in the segments um, of, of Dubai. Obviously, when there's, you know, some um, issues geopolitically, I would say in, in different regions, we get an influx of, of people from that kind of um, area, affected area. So, you know, over the last 18 months, we've seen people come from, you know, Russia, from from Ukraine and, and some of the um, other kind of uh, European countries as well um, and they you know they bring their own flavor they bring their own kind of style they bring their own kind of way and, and a lot of businesses have been set up um, by the Russian community um, Russian correct yes the wider Russian speaking uh, kind of community and it, and it's fantastic to to see and you know again they are a community they do support other businesses but they also support their own community as well and their own businesses but they've gone into you know, real estate, they've gone into uh, tech, uh, tech, they've gone into logistics, FMB, uh, and, and so on and so forth. Um, which, get, again, you know, is it competition? People might say, okay, yes, it's competition. But no, it's a different style of, of looking at, uh, you know, your traditional way of doing things. And, you know, it's, it's healthy competition, right? Some of the most popular kind of businesses now are owned by, you know, the Russian-speaking uh, communities. And, you know, recently through, you know, various networks and various kind of um, places I've, I've, I've visited and meetings that I've had, it's become more apparent how they see Dubai as their home now. And they're really, you know, investing long term in, in, into the country and developing their business and trying to kind of, you know, spread out regionally uh, and so on. And all of these kind of players, you know, start off with investing in, in, in real estate. Um, and it tends to be the higher ticket uh, real estate. That's definitely yeah. definitely what, what we've seen. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, again, this whole phrase I used earlier, you know, Dubai is a safe haven Correct. For, for so many people now. And I think the other thing, you know, is just the, the geographic. I mean, by definition, we're in the Middle East. You know, Correct. we are in the middle of the of the world in terms of a geographical point of view i believe it's you know you can reach 70 to 80 percent of the world's population in absolute number within eight hours of dubai correct um you know you can't reach australia but then not that many people live there and you can't reach america which okay you have a big population but that being said whilst it's not within eight hours We've got direct flights from here to, Correct. you know, I'd say at least a dozen American cities. Yeah. We've now got direct flights to Brazil. We've got flights to Argentina. You know, we've got incredible, um, you know, incredible access to the whole world where you can pretty much get anywhere with one stop here and, at and most. From a business point of view, if you if you create your hub in Dubai and you've created your hub and you need to ship any of your product, I mean, now they're shipping food items, right? 
um, and we're talking about not food items with you know long expiry or shelf life. We're talking about you know food items that have maybe seven days to be consumed. Now you can you know transport that and ship that anywhere globally. So Dubai is fantastic as a hub to be able to ship your products and goods globally, even though you may not be able to reach that particular country as a as as a as traveler, an individual, right, as an or individual, not, not with what without stopping somewhere. Correct, else. but your yeah. products will can yeah, and this is why you know we've seen also an influx of um, the um, uh, the business businessmen and, and and women from Asia coming up, so the likes of China, mm -hmm. uh, Thailand. Um, uh, uh, Vietnam, some of these kind of places, they've started coming and, and setting up business here as well. They did so a, a number of years ago, and then they kind of um, kind of flat flat lines for a while, yeah. and then now they've come back and they're seeing Dubai as as again another you know safe haven, another place where there's a lot of opportunities to invest. Again, real estate being quite high up on their list, but also for business setup. Yeah. Um, again, the accessibility, um, the ability to, you know, set up businesses, the ease of access into the market is, is something that they're looking Things, for. Things, ease of financial services, now Correct. getting accounts set up, people understanding international trade you know when i lived in america for example for a period of time you know one of the things that was a real challenge there was just getting you know regular people to understand you know if you were doing business which we were internationally just getting people to get their heads around that you know right. they, they would struggle if you didn't have a u.s phone number and and stuff like that you know we don't have those problems in in the uae you know and and part of that is because such a large proportion of the population is is expat mm -hmm. um you know i was at a, a friend's house the other day for a for a dinner party and you know there's 25 people at the table and i would wager we had at least 20 nationalities and that's the beauty um, of the country right um and also i mean i've realized it from a from a social kind of setting but also from a business setting whenever you go anywhere and you know recently i was in Jitex, mm -hmm. uh, that was at the dubai marina harbor and you know during one of the networking events there were people from all over the world and you know there were certain common kind of traits and it's it opens up the doors for opportunity business opportunities you know so if you're if you have a business here that you think might you know work through in in other countries it's very easy to to, to have that conversation whereas in certain countries you don't have that kind of hot pot of of nationalities and business opportunities and therefore it might be a little bit difficult you need an introduction you need to maybe go and visit that particular country and so on uh, and exactly. so forth, right? But that's what makes it interesting. In in you know, again, um, you know, we've converted Winxes into a franchise model. So we're having conversations with people from a number of different countries, wanting to take the brand. Is over that and just in the Gulf region, or is that why? I mean, look, I always look at you know, thinking you know, first you know, get your house in order in, in the sense that you know, try and expand a, a little bit into your existing kind of territory and then expand a little bit further. But, you know, at the moment, you don't need to do that. You know, you can sell to someone in Canada. You can sure. you know, set up a franchise in the U.S. As long as the person understands what they're doing, you know, with, the, with the, the, the usability of Zoom now, right, you don't actually need to have these meetings where you, you, you go and visit each other. So um, I think, you know, there's a lot of opportunities, uh, you know, available and, and how many cultures and so many kind of um, uh, people coming from different areas and yeah. different expertise allows you to have those conversations that you would probably not have.
Ray, Ray Kroc, who wasn't necessarily the founder of McDonald's, but was certainly the guy that made it, you know, started to make it what it is today. Famous for saying to a bunch of MBA students, I think it was Harvard, but maybe I got that wrong. Um, but definitely MBA students, what business is, is McDonald's in? And, you know, somebody, of course, put their hand up and said, hamburger business. And he said, no, 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 you don't understand our model. We're in the real estate business. And now, you know, McDonald's owns more real estate than the Catholic Church globally. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and yeah, they also make hamburgers, but their model is built around, you know, being a, a real estate company and you're buying into that. So, you know, I apl uh, applaud what you're doing with the franchise model. We could carry on talking for days. Yeah. It's been a pleasure to have you <laughs> Thank here, Thank you very Ahmed. much. Thank you so much for coming. Very been, fruitful conversation. Absolutely. Really it's been, been emotional. And uh, we'll, <laughs> Thank see, you very much. We'll, we'll see each other again very soon. Definitely. Thanks for coming in. Thanks a lot. Thank you.